Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Padamaro. It's episode 140. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, but mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. This week, we have uh, Lucid Iguana back on to to do a deep dive on all the uncommons. So uh, welcome back to the show, uh, Lucid. Thank you. Happy to be here again. Yeah, no, last episode was great. I'm really excited to have you back on. Uh, dive a little deeper now that it's been a couple weeks since our last episode. So I think, you know, things are still a little bit in flux. Um, it's um, excited to hear your thoughts on how this format has developed. Because um, it, it's interesting. It's, uh, you know, we been updating the spreadsheet we're up to like 297 lists now and you know the top commons are sort of settling in place so i think the top cards we're sort of figuring out but it does seem like things are still changing and what people are having success with is sort of still evolving too even if it's not quite um big enough to like really swing the aggregate data so far um, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to talking about some of these, some of the ways things have changed here. <laughs> yeah, so I think we'll get right into it. Uh, first thing, you know, it's interesting. The top color is still time by a long shot, even with the the additional hundred or so lists that we've gotten since the since our last recording. Um, so time is still pretty dominant showing up in over 60% of all the decks, which uh, as a, a reminder, you know, if in a balanced two color format, you would expect each color to show up 40% of the time. So time is showing up in 60% of decks, fire is in uh, second place in 41%, justice and shadow are both around 36, 37%, and uh, primal, once again, is uh, below 30%. Um, so how, how are you feeling about the color balance? Does this ring true to you? Are you have any thoughts about that? Oh, God, I have to just like eat my words from last time. So I was, I was, I was super high on fire and doing really well with fire decks. And that has just fallen off. And I, I can't explain it. Um, except that maybe I was just running really hot for a while um, because I ran, I ran super cold for like a couple of weeks uh, since you and I recorded last where I was like, uh, I think at one point I had maybe four wins in 10 drafts or something where I was just like, like I was just really off the deep end um, and like fire decks were just not available to me. Um, I don't know if people are just drafting fire more, but no, I am. I am just like fully on board the time train now. Um, I I keep drafting these Combray decks that are amazing, um, and it just turns out that all you need a lot of the time is just like a five or six uh, toughness creature, and suddenly it's like, well, all right, um, good luck beating my common. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I kind of also have gone through a bit of a dry spell since we last talked. I was doing pretty hot in this format for a while and then doing decidedly mediocre where I just like couldn't get 
to the <laughs> that five win threshold and as my goal slowly depleted over a, a large number of drafts um and yeah it's it's interesting i've still been sh i think my number one drafted color pair is probably praxis i like i don't know if i'm like avoiding justice i just feel like every time i get a justice deck it just like underperforms my expectations even though i know a lot of people are having success with justice and um you know like there's like talk about how you know courier the two drop is you know the best justice common and i agree but like i i get like a deck with four of them and i think oh you know okay we're doing it and then it just like oh it just kept underperforming my, my best deck continues to be I think Praxis, where I just get all the good cards of time because it, they're just rock solid at common, and then you get some fire cards to do damage and for removal and stuff, and it just ends up being pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. I so I just went and took a quick look at my last my last looks like six drafts since I got out of my dry spell that were seven wins and half of them are combray decks wow yeah no that's and it's funny because like that kind of leads us into what our top three color pairs are and that is uh 100 our our sort of top appearing color pair is combray uh followed by praxis and uh xenon sort of in in the same category and like like um combray appears in 19 percent of decks and then praxis and xenon are both at uh 17 percent and again this is we're talking color pairs here so again in a two color balanced format you'd expect all of this to be at 10 percent um this is we people are running a little bit above two colors so you know we're we're averaging two point two colors per deck, so it's not quite a true only two color wow. color really? performer. Yeah, of the three hundred decks, fifty eight are three colors. But and two. My friends, <laughs> please stop splashing in this format. It is not good for you. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know what to say. Um, there are triple colored cards everywhere. And the format is really fast. You can't afford to splash, like unless your splash is just an absurd card, and you have amazing fixing. I have found splashing to be so bad in this format. I gotta. I'm gonna scroll through these lists because we do have one person manage to get. Oh, I think maybe it was Agent Dynamo managed to get uh, seven wins with a four color deck. Wow. Okay. Um, but that was that just one in this format. Um, yeah, and, you know, like, again, what I was going to say is, like, you know, you're expecting all the decks to be about 10%. Um, and so these, like, Combray at 19% uh, is sort of double the, almost double the expected rate. And then it really falls off. Like, uh, there's Elysian, again, that's the fourth time pair, um, the fourth and final pair is at 10%. So that's really the only deck that Primal <laughs> does well in. Um, and then there is Rakano, sort of the first non-time pair. 
is at 10% also. And then everything else is like seven in the five to 7% range. And so the decks are just heavily dominated by time with Rakano sort of being the only one that's doing okay for a non, a non time color pair. Wow. Jeez. Which is, yeah, I, the, um, the, the other decks I've, I've gotten to six wins with have been sort of a hodgepodge of cards carried by strong rares. Like I've got a Skycrag deck with double starlight guide or whatever it's called the the two cost three power flyer, which I did a lot of games where I had two of those in my opening draw. And then I've got a rift disaster deck. Right. But it's just like, I, I yeah, I, I get why time is dominating so much. Yes. And uh, yeah, so that's, yeah, so that's pretty interesting. It's interesting that you're having, you know, I, I you were very high on fire in the last po podcast. So that's what I, I kind of wanted to ask you about. And, and uh, yeah, so I guess, you know, people should keep an eye on, it's like, it feels, it's always interesting in eternal formats, I feel like, because sometimes there's just like a dominant color. And then I expect the meta to to sort of take that into account because you know like they say like draft is a a self you know self-balancing format because as people take time higher then there's fewer in the packs but i feel like either there's a much bigger lag in eternal or it's not quite as true as eternal um based on previous experience um one example being the last format with like skycrag you just like you're like eventually skycrag has to dry up and it's not going to be open every draft. And then for some reason it's felt like it was open every draft. It's it's I, I, I have not found eternal formats to be self-correcting. Um, and I don't quite know the reason for it. Uh, one hypothesis I have is that there are a lot more people drafting than you and I ever play against. And and just like the, there are a lot of people who just haven't quite clued in, um, because otherwise, I just like I don't know how to explain. There's like, this, this colors just stay open. You know, I have a, the the deck that I'm currently playing through has three Marisons Legacy. That's a ridiculous. Yes, most most of them came late in the pack. So like, there's some people who are just not getting it. No, I, I agree. It's, it's, I mean, even like a common where like beekeeper, which is our number one common, right? Like you still somehow get them late sometimes. Yeah. And, and you're just like, how is time so open? <laughs> I'm getting like a beekeeper yeah. six or seven. Cause we're like, we're going to talk about it today. Like in what uncommons, you know, sort of comparing it to beekeeper, which is a format we like to do on the show. Um, and it's just like, you know, like Beekeeper is very strong, even compared to some of the uncommons. And yet they, and so should get picked very early and yet they still can go late. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, well, do you, do you want to get into it? You want to start talking about some uncommons? Yeah, I think so. So we'll do this fairly similar um, to, to how we did it last week. We're just going to talk about the different uncommons and then, um, in the order they are, and then sort of compare them to how we would take Beekeeper as our, as I think, do you agree, sort of the number one common? 
I think that's that's got to be true. Um, I've been playing with it a bunch, and it's just so backbreaking. Um, you know, I the, I want to say like, no, it's ignite uh, or like it's some other removal spell, but yeah, just it's just two bodies for three power, and it really does the job. Yeah, and I think beekeeper is actually one of for me one of the reasons that fire gets hurt so much is there's just so many times where you're like totally fine you know like you have an ignite in hand and then you're fire so all of your creatures are x ones and you're just like okay this is great i'm gonna do a whole bunch of damage next turn i'm gonna like kill their guy and then attack and then they play a beekeeper and you're like okay yeah i'm gonna have to Two, my, two for one myself and not get much damage. And it's just like, yep. can be so backbreaking against the fire decks. Oh, yeah. I find myself just being like, nice Yeti, chump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause like, what do you do in that situation where it's like, you, you know, you have a Yeti on board and that, and an ignite in hand and then they play a beekeeper. You just like can't attack into it. Yep. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, all right. So, uh, Okay, let me get Let's see. So the top uh, the top fire uncommon that's been appearing on our lists are uh, Bladekin Apprentice, which is the two cost uh, fire one one with quick draw, and then every time you attack, it gets plus one attack. Um, this, this card is just borderline unbeatable on turn two. Um, it's, it's, there are, uh, you know, like there are just a lot of draws that are, you know, see this two drop come down. You look at your handful of creatures that are just slightly behind pace on top, on top test. It's like, ah, crap. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you're like, okay, so I'm going to double block this thing. And that's a two for one on the first trick. And then I'm going to double block it again. If they have another trick, another two for one. And at that point it has like eight power. So uh hope i draw a removal spell um yeah it's just it's it's great i love me a blade can apprentice yeah it's it's really interesting i do think there's like some debate about how high you should pick this card because it definitely does fall off as the game goes on it's like one of the best cards <laughs> ever if you can play it on turn two and then like if you draw it on turn like eight or ten so it's not like a two drop that scales with the game per se, even yes. though ironically, cause it's a scaling card, but um, yeah, uh, I, I would say, you know, like, first of all, if you're playing fire, this is what you signed up for. <laughs> um, like you're taking a bunch of garbage on two and take, so taking something good on two is pretty exciting. Um, and otherwise, you know, sometimes you just have to feed it to an ant. Um, but I, I, uh, you know, three weeks ago, me would take this over, over a beekeeper. Now, me, I don't know. Pack one, pick one, probably not. If I'm already in fire, I'm going to take this over, like, get some good fire card pack one, and I see this and a bee in pack two, I'd probably take this. Okay. Okay, how about Ignite? Are you taking this over Ignite? Yeah, 100%. Oh, okay. I think I still take Ignite over this. Um, I Which is, maybe, it's funny because I feel like I'm a huge proponent of Bladekin Apprentice because it can, 
And especially in this format too, with like the amount of weapons, I know you get two for one if they kill your very fragile two drop after you put a weapon on it. But like, yeah, you know, like I talked about playing Praxis decks, you put um, uh, the the three the two one gain life the stinger yeah on oh, this, yeah. and you like attack into you just can constantly attack for the rest of the game. You're gaining life. It's just like can be such a powerful combination. So the reason I take those over Ignite is that um, I think if you're playing the fire decks, you just have to set yourself up to have bullshit draws. Um, like, and maybe this is uh, just like me not being good enough to be consistent. But when I'm playing the fire decks, I just want the decks that can do really obnoxious things. And so having actually good two drops is the only way those decks win. And Ignite is great, but you do sometimes have other similar options, and I'm just going to say Lantern's Light and move on, um, or getting blockers out of the way. And so I, th I think I have to take this. Okay. All right. So then the, uh, the next most common uncommon is uh, Granite Beetle, which is the 4FF uh, uh, Fire Beetle. So it has uh, Hunt 2 and Charge. And you can pay seven to deal six damage to the enemy as an ultimate. Oh, yeah. This one will get the game done. Um, but I, I need to reiterate that it deals six damage, not seven. The, 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 the Justice Beetle gives you seven armor. This deals six damage. And I'm going to tell you that I have lost like four or five games. Being like, haha, take seven. Oh. <laughs> Um, it's pretty embarrassing. That's 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 pretty high up my list of mistakes, along with not putting cards in my market. Um, and so, like, I I think the beetle is great. Um, the you know what fours are just you get really choked on fours. Uh, I'm never taking this over a beekeeper. Yeah, no, I I agree. This is kind of like for me one of the most disappointing uh, beetles. Uh, not that it's not good and can definitely do damage but it is like when you're not really ahead it's like a lot less impressive because mm -hmm. you know a four cost three three even with charge is just like not doing sometimes it's just not doing a ton right and and shooting your opponent for six six not seven um is just not exciting if you're losing the game yeah and it can also in if you're in a fire deck and you're light on light on power you know you're just like it feels bad to play this for four not be able to charge attack and then be like okay in five turns i'm gonna really yep, give it to him so yeah i think uh yeah this is not i would definitely take beekeeper over this i take blake can apprentice over this uh next is a uh, young blood recruits which is the um three fire fire uh four two with Overwhelm, and then uh, Spellcraft 1 to uh, play Rune. Yeah. This one's got some rate on it, honestly. Um, or 2 Overwhelm for 3 is, like, that, that beats. And every time you ruin your opponent's, like, Winter's Grasp or something, it feels great. Um... I still wouldn't take this over Beekeeper unless I already had... I, I would take this over Beekeeper if I was already fire and wasn't time. Um, which, honestly, I don't know is true for me of Granite Beetle. 
Um, but young blood recruits, um, overwhelm is super powerful in fire because of caravan delivery or not caravan delivery. Um, the card that gives double damage and draws your card. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, driver, drive something, harness drivers. Yeah, that, yes, that that thing. The, um, any card with overwhelm is an oops, I won the game card. Uh, in fire, and so I like that's what I like a lot about. Um, the young blood recruits. I actually, I think I'd probably take it over Granite Beetle if I was in fire already. Oh yeah, for me, I think that is very true. Um, yeah, two points. One is uh, it's hurry driver, and uh, also uh, that is one thing I did kind of want to shout out. That has shot up to now. It is the fourth most pre- prevalent uh, fire comment behind Ignite, Twilight Lantern, Young Blood Glider, and then Hurried Driver. And so that has just, as the format has developed, continued to shoot up and um, in, in the oh, amount Lantern's, we're seeing. Lantern's Light is going uh, up slightly? Okay, okay. Yes, up slightly. Not quite, a, not, quite a, <laughs> not quite the rise of uh, <laughs> yeah. Hurried Driver, but yeah. So... No, I, I agree. Youngblood Recruits is a card for some reason I never end up taking because it's it is it does have a good rate, it does have overwhelm, but it's not like it doesn't really do anything that special. I feel like the rune can be a blue out, but there's not actually that I don't know. There are weapons and stuff, but I don't know. And so I just always yeah. end up taking another card instead of it. I think that's pretty fair. Um, the, the number of times you're blowing up weapons, I think, is pretty low. I, most of the weapons trade when they're killing things. Occasionally, I mean, the versatile weapons, sometimes there's the 3-3 three, three lifesteal weapon on your opponent's stupid flying creature, and you're just like, well, great. Um, but I think most of the time your weapons are trading pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, then after that, it's pretty interesting. Uh, the next two cards are Caravan Delivery and Bombard. Um, and I just continue to hardly ever play any of the deliveries. Um, it seems like you play them uh, more than I do, but, uh, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I probably shouldn't because like, I, I have at least one seven win draft that I posted that I only had cards in my market for the last game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It's, this this is another one of my my toxic internal traits is I just cannot remember to fix my mistakes and so I'll be playing a game she's like oh gotta put cards in my market this delivery is terrible it's like a mulligan already and then I'm like oh I won the game time to join the queue um so I find the deliveries they're much worse than merchants uh probably no big surprise there. Um, and the reason I say that is like, so if you had two merchants that could get the same faction, you put your bombs in your market, or maybe you know one of your bombs in your market, because it's, you can put it in your hand whenever you want. If you have two deliveries of the same faction, you do not put your bomb in the market, because if you do, you put it on top of your deck like a good chunk of the time unless you can cast it immediately and if you're talking something like say love birds or Marathon's legacy um you put it on top of your deck and you're just really begging to get hunted 
Yeah. Um, like you are you are priming your opponent to hunt your bomb. And that feels horrible. So like I, I've sort of started feeling like I want to put like low cost cards in my market when I have a delivery. Um so that I at least can play them pretty likely. Um you know, there's not any like sweet fate shenanigans really. Like, you know, in constructed, you're putting Misfail Drake. Yeah. Uh, that's what that card is called, right? Um, and then you know, you're getting a couple of face aegises, but not in in draft, uh, I think that mostly I just put some utility junk in there, like some tricks. Um that I would wouldn't play but would be happy to have. And then I have a power in there, and so it's kinda like a flexible but awkward um card right and i think that's you know for me it's like the the main um the main fate card is the um the time uncommon the four six for six that plays a one one like that's pretty sweet mm -hmm. um especially like in a zenin deck where you're hoping to you know have a bunch of guys to to sacrifice and stuff and so yeah i agree it's just yeah i find the delivery is just so awkward because like even a cheap card, if you're talking about a unit, it's like the the cheap card is not worth paying four for. Um, and then late in the game, it's less impactful. I, I think like what what you're saying with the tricks is sort of like where you're at. Because then it's like, you know, if you have a two cost fast spell in there, yes, you're paying four. But because the deliveries are also fast, you can still play it fast if you need to. And so like that has some utility to it, but I just find mm -hmm. even as like, like, uh, you know, if you're like, well, you can always put a power in it. It just like doesn't work out because it's not like you can play it turn two to get your third power. You have right. to yeah. play oh. it turn three because you need to play that power that turn because you don't like shuffling a power into your deck is not uh, helpful. Right. Yeah. That's like, I, like I said, I'll put one in there. I used to count it as a power when I was counting a power and I realized that is incorrect. Yeah. And I think that is mainly because of how not you're not able to play it on turn two for that power. Um, yep. hundred percent. Yeah. So then the, the fact that Bombard is next, I feel like Bombard is a pretty controversial card where some people think it's unplayable and then some people um, really like it. And it seems like people are playing it because it is kind of high up here in the list of fire cards that are making it into into decks. You know, fire's got a lot of hunt and not always a lot of stuff to do with its advantage. Um so I find pretty frequently I'm just tossing advantage to, to Bombard. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Sometimes, like, I know it's a two for two, but sometimes it's pretty hard to beat a two for two when my two is some junk from my hand and your two is two creatures keeping me from killing you. Um, it's not pretty, but it does hit players too. Um, so... You know, it's it's not an amazing card. The first time I had it cast against me, I remember like in the first day the format was out, I was like, huh, okay, so that card's unbeatable. I have decided it is not unbeatable. Um, but I, I'm never going to cut it. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. That's happened to me. It was like the first time I was played against me, I was like, it killed because I 
was playing like a faster aggressive deck with a bunch of small units and i was like this card is unbeatable and then you like have it in your hand and they're playing time and it's like well i could two for one myself to kill their <laughs> their beekeeper or this is doing nothing against all of their six health units and then it's just like well this is you know it's like okay i'm gonna attack i'm gonna <laughs> they're gonna block two of my units i'm gonna use bombard discard uh -huh. a card from my hand to kill their and it's like a four for two and you're like well this is feels horrible <laughs> yeah like i'm gonna go home and consider my choices in life but no i think it does do enough enough of the time that it's it's not as unplayable as maybe some people consider it. Um, I think that the fact that these, I just want to do these last two cards um, in this list, even though we're getting pretty far down here, and that's Grove Supplier, which is the two cost one, two, that gives your units plus one attack on your turn. Mm -hmm. um, and Grove Firebow, which is the one cost one, one with uh, Valor that um, you can pay five to deal one damage and that increases every time you hit the enemy player it is shocking to me that both of these are so Absolute, low <laughs> absolutely shocking to me um like grove firebow especially you want to talk about a card that just like somebody plays it on turn one you look at your hand you're like well this is a joke yeah um i i cannot believe like that card is so low you know you can activate it more than once a turn i know no i've um, definitely killed you it's like <laughs> You can do such sweet stuff with it. You get to 10 power, man. You hit them in the face once. You get the plus one, which then gives you enough to either hit them in the face again or kill their guy now. It's, like, so unbelievable. Right. And by the time you get to five power, like, you know, if you've hit once or twice, suddenly half their hand is dead. Yeah. Right? They can't play anything. You get to advance the board. You, you end up essentially having the abyss, which for people who haven't played Magic is a card that, the beginning of your turn it just you have to choose one of your units to die um and see so if this like one-sided abyss where just to, to to stop you from advancing your board your opponent just like feeding cards to the fireboat yeah it feels so bad i can't believe it's so low and grove supplier i mean there's no super easy way to get more than one unit out of card except oh the best common beekeeper um and Boy, you know, this thing, if you're starting to go, like, even slightly wide, this is real beating. Yeah. No, it, all your units are better. Like, it's just like, I feel like so many times it's just like your units need to just have one more attack. And then they're like, they're mm -hmm. they're trading with all the time units finally. I don't know. I love growth supplier. It's just like, there's... there's yeah. I, yeah. I, I would take growth supplier over Twilight Lantern. There's there's a there's my nuclear take. <laughs> yeah, I honestly like, yeah. So just to give people a context, like Grove Firebow, I'm probably taking that. I'm taking that over Beekeeper. That that would be my number one fire uncommon personally is Grove Firebow. I would take that over Bladekin Apprentice. Um, Ooh, yeah. That's just I'm just saying yeah. you know where I am. Uh, Grove Supplier is not that quite high. I think I still take Blake and Apprentice. I might even take um, a Beekeeper over that, but that would be way up there. I, I'd probably go Grove Firebow, Blade and Apprentice, Grove Supplier as my top three uh, fire uncommons. I think I like that route, that list. Yeah. Yeah. I had to think about it. 
I had to think about it, but no, I'm into it. Cool. Well, so that's fire. Let's go on to time now. Yeah. All right. So t time, <laughs> just like you can sell it. That's the thing with time is that's such great comments. <laughs> and then you look at your <laughs> uncommon list and you're like, oh, these are great cards. <laughs> They're so good. Like, the entire list is so good. I know. I, I kept having to make the list bigger. I kept like upping how many cards they show because it kept being. You're like, wow, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So number one, um, uh, you know, un I guess unsurprisingly is uh, Marison's Legacy, which is the six time, time, time uh, spell that plays uh, three, three with Overwhelm, a two, two flyer and a one, one uh, with Deadly. And... Uh, yeah, this is, this card has been busted since it was printed. I know it. It's really interesting, you know, because I do think what you're talking about, like it is triple time, and so that really kind of forces you into a heavy, heavy time deck. But the, then time is kind of set up to do that this format because they do have like the amber acolyte. There's four packs of yeah. seek power. Um, like, oh no, don't make me play a bunch of the best faction, please. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I call this card Cone of Dudes. Um there's a magic card called Cone of Flame, which does one damage, two damage, and three damage. And so I enjoy, I enjoy calling this card Cone of Dudes. And it's just like, you know, are you behind on the board? Well, the Scorpion's gonna trade with something, the Sandcrawler can probably trade with something, and now you've got a locust. Right? Like, are you ahead on board? Well, your opponent is just going to cry. Yeah. Um the fact that there's a triple time card just sitting here at the top of the time on commons, I think shows what a powerful faction it is because you do, like you said, you have to commit to it, but everybody's happy to. I think I mentioned earlier, I've got a deck with three of these things. The feeling of playing two of them in the same game is just, it's, you know, like it's the phenomenal cosmic power part of Aladdin without any of the itty bitty living space. I don't know what to say here. Yeah, no, I agree. It is like, I have yet to do that this format, but there are a good number of games where i because my opponents are all shockingly uh lucky um where they like play a marison's legacy and i'm like okay this is painful but i think we can work our way through it and then just like a couple turns later they play a second one and you're like there's no way to <laughs> now win the game um but i also it's it's interesting to me because you know there was this thought about it maybe being a little worse in this format just contextually because like you do have a card like beekeeper which is kind of like half of marison's legacy and in time or you know in easier to cast it's three costs single time um and so you're like oh well marison's legacy is not quite as uh as it's a little bit more redundant than it was in previous formats where it was like the only card that kind of even did anything similar to it. Um, mm -hmm. And also the fact that there are other good time uncommons. So you're just like, well, maybe the gap has closed. And I, I think it is true. The gap has closed with how powerful this card is, but I still think um, it is still one of the most powerful uncommons that we've ever seen. And so you should probably pick it that way. Yeah, no, just 100% agreed. Um, all right. Uh, so we're picking this above uh, Beekeeper, I guess. Oh, yeah. 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 Gladly. <laughs> and then uh, number two is uh, Skylighter, which is the 
four cost uh, three four, and then has flying in charge while you have two or more other units. Um, and so, yeah, uh, pretty powerful card. Um, it just does so much damage out of nowhere. Having a four cost three four flyer just blocks everything, attacks through everything um, in the air. And even if it doesn't fly, four toughness for four power is just quite good in this format. There's just a lot of stuff that can't attack through it. Like the fail case on this is a, a serious roadblock. Yeah, exactly. And then like just, <laughs> you know, the turn three beekeeper, turn four skylighter attack you for five in the air. is just like, that's a very fast way to win games. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it's great. I, I don't think I would take it over Beekeeper, though. Yeah. No, I can definitely see that. I I think I probably do, but that might just be the, uh, the ever-present sort of rarity bias in me. Mm -hmm. And not that it's be not that it's more powerful. Um, well, you know, one thing I'll say is when in doubt, I, I really uh, like the advice to when in doubt, take the higher rarity card because you see it less often. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I kind of do that. You know, there is the other adage, which goes the other way, which is when in doubt, take the cheaper card. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it, it's, uh, but yeah, I think they're pretty, you know, they're close enough that I, you know, I wouldn't fault either anyone for going either way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, then um, number two or number three is Oasis Seeker. This is a reprint. This is the two cost three, two, and then you gain one life uh, every time you attack. I mean, I think this is just high because it's a three power two cost unit. You know, it does have a little bit of life gain. But we kind of talked about this last format. There's not that much life gain synergy. You know, like there's the one relic and... Um, and that relic is a trap. Do not play it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Though Cotillion was arguing for how great it was <laughs> in, in okay, the Discord. I, but, you know. That, that is, it is hard for me to argue with Cotillion. Uh, maybe don't play it if you run cold like me. But I, I think I mentioned this in the last last recording we did i had a deck with multiple of the relic and every bit of life game you could ever want and it still felt like it sucked yeah no i uh, i'm i definitely am <laughs> I, i'm more on your side than cotillion side on this one but uh you know everyone has their you, own yeah. experiences and in an aggressive format you know this trades up and makes it just a little hard to race you it counterbalances some of the life you lose for nightfall um yeah it's just it just feels good. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, I, I do think there's also something to like, in, in this discussion of like, do you take this above Beekeeper or not? Like I, I would take Beekeeper over it, but there is a bit of a lack of, of really good two drops. And so I can, you know, like, kind of like you were saying, you can get bunched up on four, you can also get bunched up on three this format with like, all the mm -hmm. acolytes and stuff. Um, but I think even still, I'd probably take uh, Beekeeper above Oasis Seeker. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Uh, then uh, next is uh, Amber Beetle um, is number four. 
And Amber Beetle is the uh, four time time beetle, and it is a uh, three three with hunt two, overwhelm, mm -hmm. and then you can pay seven as its ultimate to get to get a two two flyer. Uh, yeah, I think this is one of the most powerful um, beetles. I probably also oh, yeah. I take this above Oasis Seeker, even though uh, you know Seeker is above this on the list. Um, it's just a, a really Same. good card. I think if I'm already in time, I take this over a beekeeper. Uh, I, in a first pick, I might take beekeeper because it's a little more flexible. Um, but I'm not going to splash beekeepers, so maybe I should just take this anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is a four cost three three. If it misses, that gets you super close to having it make you a a bee next turn. Yes, and. If if the hunt hits, then it's a four cost, four cost just like increasingly large threat. Um, it's it's the of the beetles. It's one of the clearest, just straight up two for ones when you activate its ability. Um, but the fact that it affects the board, you know, like I think this beetle and the shadow beetle, just not to spoil too much, are the best beetles because their abilities affect the board. The, the primal beetle draws you two cards, so it's like a three for one, but you're paying seven to draw two cards, and you're already behind, and you're playing primal, so go, you know, like, <laughs> that's not great. Uh, but no, I love the amber beetle. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think just the fact that this one starts with as a three, three makes such a huge difference. Um, yeah. Because it's like, even worst case scenario, you still have a three three, which is a much much better body in this format than a two two. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I agree with the assessment. Um, yeah, and then they just they're, they're all just good cards, you know. Like it, then it goes Lumen Shepherd, uh, Jackal King. Kind of surprising that there's so many Jackal Kings, honestly. Just as uh, it's. Uh, seven drop um and it uh it's a seven it's yeah i it was i'm like i'm kind of down i was kind of down on the jackal king but, but like it really get it got there yeah i think there's just like there's <laughs> an 88 overwhelm is just so big like um uh, you know, I think part of it is the Jackal King just looks really bad in comparison to uh, the the um, Praxis Rabbit, um, Relentless Hair. Oh, Air. God. And so you're just yeah. like, well, why would you ever play Jackal King? But sometimes you don't open the Relentless Hair and you open a Jackal King. And I've done sweet things. Like, I, you know, this is a lot of power, but like in Xenon, I've played a Jackal King like three times, <laughs> the same Jackal King like three times in a game, and then just like yeah. kept gaining life and surviving and really putting your opponent in a bind. Um, but yeah. it, it it is still, I, so I think it's a playable card. It is surprising that, that it's so high on the list. Like it's above on the Prowl, uh, Mermidian Builder, Swift Subverter, um, all of which I, I would pick above a Jackal King. Completely agree. I'm actually surprised that on the Prowl is so low. Like, do we not remember Xenon Initiation? Yeah. Yeah, you know... I mean, I, <sighs> costing one more, having double time, I get it. But, man, I don't know. 
Yeah, I do wonder if people just underpick it, and because I, I personally do this a little bit, just because um, it does have that variance to it, and sometimes it just feels bad when you're in this situation where you're like, do I play this on this unit? And if I hit once, I'm fine. And if I hit no nothing <laughs> like zero times, then this is like a really bad play. And um, yeah, you, know, you can get in those binds. But I do think it's a pretty powerful card. And uh, again, I would, like I said, pick it above like a Jackal King. Um, but I, you know, I would pick probably the other, all of the other ones. I, you know, I'm not sure about Lumen Shepherd, but like, Legacy, Skylighter, Seeker, Amber Beetle, I would pick all above the, on the Prowl. I'd even pick Beekeeper above on the Prowl, TBH. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. I don't know. It's a really interesting discussion. Like, what do they need to change about time? It's, it's just like it's just like knock a, t not, knock a point of toughness or power off of three or four of the creatures i know well it's it's just crazy because usually what happens i found in colors is like you have the the top color that has the best commons and then you usually have like a color that does okay because it's dominated by strong uncommons mm -hmm. um and then just this format time has both and oftentimes you know like in the last format where justice had this where it was so extreme, where the uh, the uncommons, it had the best uncommons, but its commons were just so bad that the uncommons couldn't really bring it, you know, <laughs> didn't mm -hmm. do enough to make it a better color. But like with time, you're like, wow, all, all of these are are great. And um, yeah. And I, I think Justice This Format is actually a little similar, which is why it feels like it could possibly be the second best color because its uncommons are really good and then its com its commons are okay you know um and so yeah so it allows it you know its commons are good enough that its uncommons can really shine and you can kind of see that with uh its top uncommon i think this will come as no surprise is uh fourth tree elder that's the six justice judge justice uh four six flying endurance uh, unit, which is just kind of like a plain old vanilla unit, doesn't really have any special ultimates or anything. It's just a solid unit that can win a game on six and is sort of impossible <laughs> to deal with. Yeah, dominating games since the day it was printed in set one. Yeah, um, I, like just like yep. Oh, six cost four six flying endurance. I guess I guess this game's over for me. Um, six six. Six toughness is a lot. That's one thing I wanted to say about the Lumen Shepherd too. Is just like, ugh, good luck getting through that. Exactly, and the six toughness in the air is impossible. Endurance, right? You can't, you, you can't, you can't stun it. Like, yeah, you can't race it. You can't attack into it. There's really, there's, it's really hard to to deal with. And so I think it is justifiably. It is actually the most sort of the winningest card where um, it's in, you know, um, what is that? Like, two, it's uh, count per deck is 0.4, which is the highest uh, count per deck of any of the uncommons. So justice, 
justice decks that are getting seven wins are playing these uh, fourth tree elders. Wow. Um, yeah, so I think yeah. there's not much to say about this. Yeah, I, I pick this above a beekeeper. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, now, how many fourth tree elders would you play? I would play a lot. I mean, I, you know, it's always, there's a number after which where, you, you know, you think you'd play infinite of them and then you're like, well, there's at some point, but like, I, I would play at least five or six of them. And yeah. I, I was thinking, I think it's like five or six and there aren't many cards on this list that could cost six that I would play five or six of. Yes, exactly. Um, and yeah, and fourth tree elder is is definitely one of them. Yeah, it, it's interesting um, to to think of, about that. Yeah, it's like with Marison's legacy where you're just like, so part of me is like, ah, the triple time is like, kind of <laughs> kind of annoying. Um, so like, even if you're at six, you still might not be able to play it. Though if you have six of them, you could very well be a mono time deck <laughs> at that rate. And, uh, right. Um, and figure it out. Um, yeah. So then the next card, also a super powerful card is Ballista Marksman. And that is the, uh, three cost two, three, and then you can pay five to give a unit flying and plus one, plus one, uh, equal to the number of units you have. And it turns out when you give a unit flying, you really don't need more than uh, one, one other unit for it to be able to attack. Um, yeah, this card is just great. And, you know, if you happen to have something with lifesteal, you know, endurance, you name it, it's just it's just, it's just a great card. And it, it forces your opponent to play around it in a way that is extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and uh, that's what I found with, this card it's like with a ballista marksman and then the uh three one lifesteal oh yeah um, because it, it counts itself so then you pay five and you give the lifesteal guy plus two plus two and so now it's a five three and since so many of the flyers are two twos in this format you know you're just like attacking through everything um mm -hmm. and so you're just like huge life swings it's so that's what i think it's like, this is like a supposedly a go wide card, but it doesn't require you to actually go wide. And so that, I think that's one of the things that makes it so powerful. Yeah, agreed. Um, next is, uh, and I think I take this above, I take this above uh, a beekeeper. Um, next yeah. is- Yeah, yeah. Is Elite Myrmidian, um, and that is the four JJ, the th sorry, the three JJ four four with lifesteal, and then it gains uh, minus three if um, you're if yeah, the, you or an opponent are attacking alone. Yeah, the the weird bug ability on just two cards. Yeah, um, I mean, the failure state on this one is you have a one four lifesteal blocker. Yeah, start like start there, and. Now, you know, ever attack with it and something else on turn four. Great. This card, it's card is just uh, it's just a great role player, way better than the drone on two. Um, that four toughness is 
really, really, really good. Yeah, exactly. Because there's just so many like three threes and stuff this format that, um, yeah, being a four four is just uh, a great. I agree. This is I. I really like this card. It can just like win games, not exactly on its own, but <laughs> but you know it. It makes sort of any other unit you have better <laughs> because it allows this to attack as a 4-4 lifesteal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Um, next is Zayat's Inquisitor. Uh, this is the 3-2 uh, for 2, and then you can pay 2 as a spellcraft uh, to stun a another unit. Yeah, efficient 2-cost creature occasionally has upside. Um, just one of those things no one's ever going to be sad about. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it's pretty good. You know, I don't know. It's... I feel like uh, I've been spoiled by uh, the 3-cost 2-2 two -two that stuns a unit where it's, you know, not quite as flexible, but then it being 3-cost is kind of nice compared to a 4-cost. Um, mm -hmm. But I think this is a solid unit. I personally probably take Beekeeper. This is kind of like where we're getting to the point where I take Beekeeper above Zyot's Inquisitor, but um, I could see yeah, I would too. arguments either way. Um, then, uh, you know, Justice does have a bunch of pretty good cards. Next is Heirloom Blade, which is the um, six cost, four, four relic weapon where you can sack a unit to make this cost two. And uh, this is a pretty powerful card. It's especially great when you can do something <laughs> when you're, you're playing this for when two. you yeah it's like it's especially great when you played beekeeper the turn beforehand um <laughs> yeah uh i i would i personally i would take this over myrmidon or zia's Inquis inquisitor yeah um, i think i take uh the myrmidon uh above this based on uh my i don't know some i've just been I've had a couple triple heirloom blade decks where it's just like not done uh -huh. exactly what I wanted it to do or just been awkward. Um, yeah. But the fact that heirloom blade has the, the other mode of playing it for six is something <laughs> is not to be overlooked. Um, yeah. I, I think it's really good. Um, when I take it over a beekeeper though, I think I would, and I think it's wrong. I think I should, it just, I just look at this card, and I'm just like, oh, it's so good when you, you just, like, sacrifice some garbage you've already played and play another two-drop, kill one of their units, they can't attack into it. But, you know what, maybe I could just get a two-for-one with the one card already. So, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reevaluate that choice. Yeah, and I, I think in the context of this format, with time being so powerful, you know, Beekeeper is yeah. probably just the the better choice. Uh, then I kind of wanted to get the to uh, Lovebirds, and this is the seven cost Justice, Justice, Justice. So it's uh, the Justice is uh, three Justice card, and uh, it plays. It's a spell, and it plays two four four flyers. And so this is pretty far down the list, um, which is kind of surprising because this is a pretty powerful card but also cost seven and hard to play yeah um and so uh, this is a card where it's just like hard for me to know where to pick it because 
these are the cards that sort of short circuit my brain where I'm just like, yes, it's clearly the most powerful card, but it's like, you know, it's like when you, if you can play it, it's like clearly more powerful than beekeeper, but then it's like beekeeper wins probably will win you more games because you can play it more often. But then yeah. whenever your opponent plays a lovebird, you're just like, this is so powerful. This is an unbeatable card. I need to pick these higher. Um, <laughs> and so then I just like, am never sure where, what to do. I, I lose to this a lot. Yeah. Um I don't play it very often. Yeah, that well that's the boat I'm in and then I just like but then I keep losing to it and I'm just like I I must be <laughs> I need to pick these higher but then it's just like I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like you should be picking a 7 drop that highly. Um but I don't know. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. A good answer for that. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that's a thinker for, <laughs> for everyone out there. Is because uh, I I, yeah. I I do think uh, it can go. Uh, yeah. Either way. Um, all right. I just will we'll quickly kind of just read, rattle up the rest of this list. Um, next is Rebellious Mistral, which is the six cost Justice Justice 3-3 three, three flyer that silences two mm -hmm. units. Uh, this card is like way more <laughs> in this category of <laughs> like Lovebird, where I'm just like, I don't understand why this is so high. I hardly ever play this lit, this card. It just seems so mopey as a six cost 3-3 three, three flyer. And, uh, you know, the silencing sometimes is, like, really backbreaking, but then sometimes doesn't do anything. I just don't get... <laughs> I just don't understand playing that card. Um. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I'll play it if I don't have any better sixes. And occasionally you feel really, really good about silencing two units, but occasionally you're staring at it in your hand while you desperately need to silence two units and don't have six power. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then there's Steel Avenger, which is a three cost two, two that grows. This card is also, is very powerful. And I do think uh, you should pick it uh, pretty highly because it can just take over a game on its own as it grows plus two plus two every time one of your units dies. But uh, yeah, it's just interesting to me that it's kind of so low on the list because I kind of pick it slightly sure. higher than some of these other cards. Same. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, so let's go to the primal uncommons then. Um, so number <laughs> primal uncommons, uh, not a lot of great cards here. Um, so mm. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the numbers here and I just like, Oh. Yeah. Yeah, what's amazing about the Primal and Commons actually is both how they there aren't a lot in the overall count 
and that's mainly due to primal being our least represented color. But even the count per deck, which uh, in theory takes that into account, it's not very high. So like none of these uncommons are really good enough to be carrying uh, carrying a deck, uh, which is kind of interesting. You know, like Cobalt Beetle has a which is the number one has a count per deck of uh, 0.18 and like that's the same as Steel Avenger, which is the eighth best justice. <laughs> uncommon. Right. Yeah. I was looking at it, it's like this this is depressing. <laughs> yeah. And and so it's like Primal's commons are it does have some really strong commons, so I, I will give it that. But it's like mm -hmm. uncommons are not helping to make up for the lap lack of depth in, at the primal commons. So like I was saying, number one is Cobalt Beetle. That is the uh, four primal primal 2-2 uh, beetle with Berserk. It hunts two and then has an ultimate of pay seven to draw two cards. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what really to say about this. Like... It feels like it should be good. Yeah, exactly. I think this is like, I think all the Primal Uncommons are going to have this to a certain extent where you could imagine a world where you were picking the, these more highly than you are. But the, just the fact that I don't really want to be Primal just like influences this. Like, if this were a time card, you'd be like, oh, all right, yeah, I'll. I would take this, <laughs> but but because it's in primal, there's just not the support for it to make it worth like picking a cobalt beetle above a beekeeper or yeah an ignite. No, agreed. Um, like honestly, looking at this list is just depressing. Um, none of no card on this list would I take over a beekeeper. I can say that up front. Yeah. Yeah, and because, like, the next card on the list, uh, two and three are sort of tied at a count of 17, is Nocturnal Glider, which is the 4-2, um, uh, and then with Nightfall, and then at night it has Flying and Reckless. So, yeah, this does a lot of damage, but then also the fact that it has Reckless can, um, can be a detriment if you're not in, like, an ex exactly the night the nightfall aggro deck um in film yep. um so it's a very very specific card um i i think and despite that it's like the you know the second most common card um number three i think is a deceptively powerful card um and that is thick hide um and that is the two cost uh, primal fast spell that gives a unit plus four health and then uh, if it takes damage uh, draw a card and this has some surprisingly tricky um, plays where if this uh, is double blocked you know for each time it gets hit you draw a card so you can draw multiple cards uh, with thick hide and that can this can really lead to a pretty strong blowout, especially, you know, if you're playing um, uh, something like time <laughs> where you have 
units that require double blocks. Um, yeah, I, I the first time I saw that, my opponent drew multiple cards. Is like, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think that guy's pretty good. If you have to play primal, um, I think you should pick it pretty highly because uh, you'll you'll find a lot of situations where it's going to really help you win the game. Yeah, but it it's also a weird card where it's very powerful, but it's like a two cost trick that doesn't like win you the game on its own. <laughs> And so yeah. it's like, I think it's a hard card to pick early enough for me personally, where you're just like, well, do I take a good unit or do I take Thick Hide? And even though Thick Hide in the right situations is so powerful, it's like, at the end of the day, you're probably going to win more games with a good unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, um, I agree. And that's the same issue I have with the next card on this list, which is a Living Reflection, which is the five primal primal uh, spell that um, plays a copy of a unit and then hunts one, I think. The hunt two. Yeah. It's hunt one. If this was any unit, I would love this card. Like, But Eternal doesn't seem to do just, you know, unbounded clones, unfortunately. Um as it is, this card sure can win you the game. Um, you know, my the the thing that I have enjoyed seeing my opponents do and then winning the game anyway is um, the six cost hunt four creature, um, and what and seeing them you know living reflection that it's like well there goes six cards from my deck, but um, it just if you have a really great unit dominating the game, or you have a really great unit holding down the board. And you make a copy of it. Both of those are pretty solid, uh, but its failure case is just really, really rough. Yeah, it, exactly. It's just, um, yeah, it's just like like I was saying with thick hide. It's like hard for me to pick this early because it gets better as you have more. You know, <laughs> the better your your. Uh, the better your deck is or the better your units. Like if you have a bomb and you're able to living reflection that, then it's really good. But on the other hand, like that requires you to draw your bomb, which is already really good and draw this card and have your bomb still alive. So I, you know, I, good players play this against me, but I just never end up really having it in my deck. So, um, yeah. Right. I, I, I um, you know, I'll play, I'll definitely play this if I'm in primal and you know uh the, the really fun the the easiest value to get out of this is if you have the common that will draw you a card if you played a spell uh, the five cost or for right. aegis um that's just that's just like that's basically the thing you want to be doing I think um and then anything else past that is gravy but if you don't have that a good interaction like that leave it yeah, and but that like requires you to have I don't know more of these five plus four no, four agents. That I know that aren't bad. They're not. It's not a bad card, but it's not like <clears throat> I just don't find that card to be like a, a like playing multiples of that card to be like a a game winning plan. <laughs> in my opinion, it's just like I don't know. It's like the five drop that I kind of have to play because it's the best option at five in primal, but not like the five drop I want to play to to win the game. I don't know. 
completely agreed. Um, all right, then uh, sort of the um, next is pheromone flytrap. Um, this is a seven cost primal primal four six. Give two of your units killer. When an enemy unit dies, pheromone flytrap gets goes berserk. <clears throat> this is another one of those cards where I lose to this card a ton, but just like can't convince myself to, to play this card. Yeah, you you lose to this card because you see the cases where your opponent could cast it and have it do something, and you're not seeing the cases where your opponent is just staring at it alone and holding onto it and not casting it because they're waiting for, to have you know decent creatures on the board to give killer. Like if this thing gives two units killer and they can both make killer attacks and survive, you are absolutely winning the game. Yeah, exactly. And so I think this is this is a card that for seven, in my opinion, just like doesn't do enough on its own. Like I think like Lovebirds, Marison's Legacy, these like expensive cards that just like you play them and now you're winning and they don't, they're just like, they don't have any conditionality to them are just agreed more powerful in my opinion than Fairmont Flytrap. You know, it's like even like, Jackal King, you know, where you're just like, you know, Jackal King doesn't really do anything special, but it's just like... It's huge. It's yeah. huge. And you gain a little bit of life, and you don't, yeah, you don't need any conditionality. Um, after right. that, there's uh, Delivery, then uh, Fisher King, and then uh, Forceful Interruption um, are the, the sort of the next three cards. Um, I see... And, and, I, and I see a multi-faction card made into this, this list, too, which I find particularly depressing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Delivery, Fisher King, Forceful Interruption. Um, like, they... These are, well, deliveries, we've talked about deliveries already, but Fisher King and Forceful Interruption are both cards that, like, ooh, this might draw me a card someday, is, is a theme of these primal uncommons, actually. If we look at them, a lot of them are like, ooh, maybe this will do something. Fisher King, like, eat one of your own Aegises for two cards. Uh, There's <laughs> just not enough Aegis. It's like, again, you're like, okay, well, I'll just play six of these five-cost, four Aegis units, and then maybe I'll draw a right. card with Fisher King. I just, like, I feel like if there was a little bit more Aegis, Fisher King could be really powerful and... Uh, my, I've you know, I've seen a lot of people draw cards off of Fisher King. I have drawn way fewer cards off of Fisher King before. Yeah, and then it's like you know, like a four cost three two flyer is okay, but it's really just mm -hmm. okay, especially with cards like Beekeeper being the top common in this format. Right. At least give it another point of toughness. Yeah, and then. I, you know, and I, I feel like they, I don't know, maybe this is like an expedition card. Like if they didn't want it to be too powerful an expedition or something, I don't, I don't really know. Um, yeah. Uh, and then forceful interruption is like kind of a, an annoying card for me because it seems like it should be so powerful being a counter that two for one's your opponent for two, um, yep. you know, and I've been a long proponent of like backlash um, being more powerful than it seems at, at, at face value because you know backlash is only it's a conditional one for one. Um, I think you are. I think you're absolutely right. By the way, on that front, but 
But I have found personally, having played a fair number of forceful interruptions, is there just like not enough basketball in this format for forceful interruption to be good? Yeah. So what I want to say is that I think the counterspell mode is the is the fallback case for this card. I think you play this card if you're a really serious beatdown deck because, oh boy, does this mess up some blocks. Yes. But it's also tricky because it requires the opponent to block. It's not like, um, you know, Lightning Lantern or yeah. Lantern's Light where you can play it first and get a blocker out of the way. You know, you're already missing out on a ton of damage. And so, that's true. so it's just like, that's what I mean. It's, it's just like either mode is just like kind of mopey where I like, I want, for me, I want the counterspell mode to be the most powerful mode, but it's just like not with, when you look at the cards, like, you know, we've now gone through four colors. I mean, this is uncommon granted, but uh-huh. Bombard has been the only fast spell that we have mentioned so far. Or Bombard's not fast. We have mentioned no fast it, spells. No. no, Bombard is fast. Is It is fast? Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh Wow, so, I, ha- I had not noticed that. That is wild. Yeah. Oh, and the delivery. So, But, like, I don't know. It's like, okay, if you're... It's like, you know, so the deliveries and Bombard are the only fast cards we've mentioned so far. I guess in Thick Hide. Okay, so the, the list is getting slightly bigger, but... No one's playing time, so you don't have to worry about Thick Hive. But it's just like, and then if you look through the commons list, it's like there are definitely some fast spells, but there's not a ton. And, I, you know, we kind of talked about this before where the, um, the units are so powerful in this format, you don't really need to, like, fill your deck with fast spells because you can just put more powerful units in your deck so it's like i i find myself not playing even like a ton of tricks even when i'm in justice because oh agreed you just like i'd rather play better units um and be more consistent than try to like blow people out with tricks yep Um, i agree so that's uh you know obviously forceful interruption if you could always hit a bone music you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, unfortunately, that uh, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, which does lead us into uh, Shadow. And um, interestingly, uh, Bone Music, we're going to take a while to get there, despite many people thinking it being one of the best uh, Shadow Uncommons, I find. I, I am very surprised at how far down this list it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, uh, number one in Shadow is the Beetle, Amethyst Beetle. That's the uh, four Shadow Shadow 2-2 two, two with Lifesteal, and then pay seven, or it's or hunt two, and then its ultimate is uh, seven cost, give a unit minus three, minus three. So, like you mentioned before when we were talking about the Time Beetle, this is a very clear two-for-one. Lifesteal is a great yeah. ability. Lifesteal is especially a great, like a growing lifesteal unit is especially a great ability on in like a recursion color, like shadow can uh, be. So it's great to bring back and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, overall a very, very good card. Yeah, just, you know what? It, you're never 
you never look at your opponent playing this card and be like, all right, that's fine. Um, it's it's always some some combination of like, ah, crap. Well, there went the race, or like, uh oh, they, they're going to have seven power next turn, so there goes one of my creatures, right? Like, this card is just never it's never good for you when your opponent plays it, and it's always going to affect the board in a way that's good for you unless you're way behind. But even if you know if you're losing to a flyer, this is going to shrink the flyer. Like, it's just good. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and then what I want <clears throat> to... Yeah. Uh, and so this is the card that I, de I definitely take above uh, a Beekeeper. Yeah. Oh, we, we forgot to answer that question for each of the cards in Primal, but none, none. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll take Amethyst Beetle over Beekeeper. Yes. And then next is uh, Dangerous Gambit, which is the two-shadow fast spell. Uh, that kills a unit, and then you take damage equal to its remaining health. Uh, yeah, just uh, it's great. It, it's a fast spell. Like, there we go. We found one. Um, this just kills. It kills everything. And you know, this card has been printed in many card games and is always really good. Yeah, just unconditional unconditional removal. Uh, like. I'll pay six to kill a fourth tree elder so that it doesn't hit me twice, you know? Yeah, no, I agreed. I, this is a, it's actually almost surprising to me how, in a sense, low it is uh, on this list because it does seem so powerful. It, it, I just like, and I sometimes see these late, which kills my theory that it's like, you know, there are certain cards that are just stereotypically powerful. And then so it's obvious and everyone takes them, and therefore you just see mm -hmm. fewer around. And Dangerous Gambit sort of fits that fits that mold. Um, but I've also weirdly seen these go late for no reason. Um, yeah, I think I think Shadow might be a little underdrafted as well. Yes, I I agree with I agree with that. Um, and the reason I mean that I'm like surprised it's so low is like. If we're just talking about overall counts, like Amethyst Beetle is in, it has a count of 43, so a count per deck of 0.36. So, like, yeah. pretty high. It's like, you know, like that's almost the same as like Marison Legacy um, and mm -hmm. um, Fourth Tree Elder is in like one of the top uncommons for its color. Wow, yeah. Um, while Dangerous Gambit is like, Point two, so it's there's actually a huge drop. So we have like forty three amethyst beetle and only twenty five dangerous gambits, um, and then like it's actually all the rest of shadows mm. uncommons are just like in that range. It's like you know, like we have the. I'm gonna read these in a, in order, but they're all so close to each other. It just takes one or two new decks to really. Yeah, really changed the ordering around. Wow, I hadn't looked closely. That's really interesting. There's such a big drop between the beetle and everything else. Yeah. So and so yeah. So I think that goes to show just how strong beetle is, and mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just something to 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 think about. Um, with like dangerous gambit, obviously removal spell very powerful. There, are, like we've mentioned, like with fourth tree elder, there are just some units in this format that you really need to deal with 
and are very hard to deal with, and Dangerous Gambit does that. Um, but still, it usually tends, unless you get the the double block blowout and stuff, or a weapon, you know, it tends to just be a one-for-one, and so maybe it just right. has a, a ceiling on how strong it can be. Um, all yeah, right. I think that's true. Then uh, number three, and again, like I was saying, all of these cards are really close together, so don't don't take mm. this ordering too strongly, but there's Hecaton Recruit, which is the 2-1 uh, lifesteal, and then you can pay two, uh, it's a two cost, and you can pay two as Spellcraft to play um, Abduct, which steals a unit from the enemy hand. Uh, yeah. You know, I think the theme of a two drop that has some value on it is highly playable in this format, continues to hold. Yes. Like, just like this thing uh, is really annoying. It, <laughs> it's an efficient trade. You know, you're playing Fire. You've got your Twilight Lantern. You have to trade with this thing, which gains them two life. So, womp womp. Um, and on four, it's an extremely efficient trade because two power is still going to trade with stuff. And you just, you know, sniped a card from their hand. Yes. Yeah. It is weird that, you know, this definitely does fall off late, late game, unlike a Zyot's Inquisitor, which will uh -huh. almost always have a unit to stun, where, you know, when your opponent is almost empty handed, you're less likely to hit something. And I have felt a little bit of pain, you know, playing this as a four drop where you're just like, well, this is, it's like pretty good, but, you know, a two one is, is not the greatest <laughs> unit to be playing uh -huh. on for. So I think there is some pain to the card, but in general, I think it is a pretty, pretty good card. But like, personally, I would take a beekeeper over this card. Yes. Um, so it's like dangerous gambit. I might, I would probably take over beekeeper. Um, and that I, but, uh, what, that's what we are now at the line. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, then number four, this one's a pretty interesting to me, um, is Horse Snatcher Bat, and that's the six cost Shadow Shadow, uh, is it a six three or a five three? It's a five three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, five three quick draw flying. Um, and this is kind of similar to Fourth Tree Elders, and this is a very classic finisher. Um, oh yeah, that I, I love to see my set one cards coming back. <laughs> but I personally have actually, as this format progressed, gone down and down on this card. Um, three, three toughness is so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. And you, <laughs> and it doesn't stabilize like a fourth tree elder does, obviously. So this is really yeah. just an aggressive finisher. And you just cannot win a game if you play this on six and then your opponent deals with it for one power. Oh, I know. It's just like, okay, well, that was nice. This is, this is a game that two people played. Um, no, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's really bad to play this and have it just immediately killed. Uh, I'm surprised that it's as high as it is. There's at least two cards on this list lower that I, well, I guess, like you said, no, they're all really closely tight, bumped together. Yeah, exactly. And but I agree. I think part of it is just the legacy of people thinking of it as a great finisher, um, and so people are mm -hmm. putting it into their decks more than they should. It is my opinion. 
I agree. Um, all right, then uh, next is the skull market delivery, uh, shadow delivery. Uh, this was boosted uh, greatly by, I had a three skull market delivery deck where I also had a Zyot in it um, uh, that, I played, oh. that I played in the market. So that, you know, okay. so I am yeah. one seventh of these skull market deliveries uh, just with that one deck. <laughs> that's great uh, and that was that was a great i know you mentioned hunt can be very dangerous but i think in seven out of my eight games i played a turn two skull market delivery and then shuffled the zayat into my the top of my deck and then uh won all of those oh, games. and you just and you got you got there yeah <laughs> exactly nice um all right uh then after that is new prey pretty interesting card this is a five shadow shadow fast spell sacrifice a unit to play a five five spider with its battle skills i don't know about this uh it's 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 in that category of like world's most obvious tricks yes where you know oh my opponent left six double double time up okay well that's the five five ambush creature and it's like hmm a suspicious no play with five power up from the shadow deck. What could that be? Um, but you know what? Sometimes even that being the case, it can just be pretty hard to beat. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really surprisingly flexible, I found. I mean, it is, you know, you got to say, like, all cards in this category, it, it is conditional. It requires you to have a unit. It can be fairly obvious. It's expensive, conditional, expensive cards can be problematic but like the fact that you can do sweet things like attack with all your units and then still play it as an ambush unit kind of you know because yeah if you sacrifice an exhausted unit it still comes back unexhausted um is pretty sweet you can like you know the uh, your ideal case is when your op opponent plays a removal spell and then you play this and then that's like that's just game ending a, a lot of the time. Um, yeah. But I've also had some luck even doing kind of like cutesy stuff, like um, play like a collection rounds. And so you get your two one one uh, <laughs> units with taunt. And then just like my turn, just <laughs> sacrifice it and attack it. You know, like you're like mm -hmm. not doing anything fancy. You're just, uh, you know. Yeah, five five return. Yeah, so I, it's yeah. it's I I really don't know how good it is, but it is a card that I pick pretty highly because I I kind of enjoy playing. <laughs> I think I think it's pretty fun to play too. Yeah, I I would not take it over a B though. Yeah, you probably sh shouldn't. I agree. It's just too expensive and a little bit too conditional. Uh, next card is Bone Music, which is the uh, three shadow fast spell and discard a card to play two maggots, which are the X2s that have a plus one attack for each unit you have in your void. So as a person who will just play the maggot sometimes, I will definitely play two maggots at, at you know, fast speed. Yeah, I... Um, this card... This card is probably responsible for the highest number of out of nowhere wins that I have seen. Or it's like win in the game, win in the game, opponent has 20 power on the board. Whoops. Yeah, exactly. This is, I think, one of the deceptively 
powerful cards, in my opinion, where, you know, when you first read it, it's hard to know just how good it is, but the, but like being a fast spell just adds so much strength to the card. Um, you know, cause like shadow, one of the top shadow commons is the rat and you only need to have five units in your void for this to turn on rats. So like, you know, you can just put your opponent in such tricky situations, um, you know, fast speed trigger, your uh, vein parasite twice. Um, it just has a lot of little hidden things on yeah. um, that it, it does. So I, I think this is probably actually one of Shadow's uh, top uncommons, and I think will only continue to go up. So here we go. I would take this over the beat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I can definitely I, see I that. I was really down on this card until I was watching Cassandra's stream and I watched him play it at fast speed. Uh, I just did not read the fast part of the card because obviously, like, to my brain, it was just obvious it wouldn't be fast. And when I watched it happen at fast speed, it was like, oh. Yeah, no, a hundred, hundred percent. I, I agree with that. Um, all right, then uh, we can do these last couple cards uh, really quickly. Uh, there's the Hand of the Hecaton, which is the three Shadow Shadow, three, two deadly. You may sacrifice another mm -hmm. unit to uh, hunt two. Just a three cost, three, two deadlies are always just really good. So you should. Yeah, right. I think I think most people will benefit from this card from not sacrificing a unit to hunt. I know. It's true. I always want to sacrifice a unit and then just never, it's almost never worth it unless you have like a your Xenon and you have a beekeeper uh, one one or something around yeah. um, right if you've got some if you've got some real junk go ahead and sacrifice it but i won't sacrifice a two two to make this thing somewhere between a three two and a five four um it, it's it, gonna it's, it's gonna trade right basically no matter its power and toughness and that's and i think that's one of the problem the quote-unquote problems with the hunt two is like when it's a five four, like now we're talking. Now we're, now we're in double block territory. But if it just becomes a four three, it's not actually any better <laughs> than a three two because, um, yeah, both of them are. You know, your opponent's probably just one for one blocking this. Sure. Um, it, you know, as a five four, you're you're able to attack into. Two three threes and also block all your opponent's three threes, which I think is one of the most common sort of um, stat lines of the format. So that's the thing. And then there's Chameleon Hide, which is the unblockable weapon. Uh, it's just too expensive and not flexible. <laughs> flexible enough. It just doesn't do enough as as a versus. I, I I understand why it's not a two two. Versal weapon because two power and unblockable on a unit is pretty oppressive. But a one power weapon, a one power relic weapon is garbage. Yeah, I I agree. So it's just you can't use it as a relic weapon. You can't, it's just like not worth it as a relic weapon. And then as, I mean, I think it's pretty good, but it's still four cost. It's, you know, 
So again, like if you're in Xenon and you can put it on a big guy, then you're, you know, you're really doing it, but just weirdly right. situational. All right. And then yeah, I... but you already had, you already had, a, already had a big guy, right? So <laughs> exactly. All right. Then I just kind of wanted to go over the, uh, the uncommons uh, really quickly. You know, we've all talked about them before, so it's mostly just uh, reading them out here. Um, unsurprisingly, Relentless Hair, the Praxis, um, Endurance Overwhelm 88 for 7 is uh, number one um, represented uh, uh, multicolor uncommon uh, with 30 copies, um, way above even the, the next one, which is the Blur Wing Raider, which is the uh, Skycrag uh, three cost two two Aegis that grows, um, which has 19 mm -hmm. copies. Uh, yeah, I think I would probably play the hair over or take the hair over a beekeeper. Yeah, um, I think I do too. I, I mean, maybe not first pick, but if I'm Praxis, I'm definitely doing it because boy, that hair is unbeatable. Yeah. Uh, no, I say unbeatable too much, but <laughs> I definitely take uh, the hair pretty highly because you know you said never splash, but hair is, I think, a splashable card uh, in in my view, just because it's like especially if you're like heavy time, uh, then you have like the amber acolytes and stuff, and then by seven you you've seen enough of your deck to to kind of often see your like one of your three sources or whatever. So it's, it's like a great yeah. finisher to splash in a deck. Yeah. I can, I can see splashing that. I could find my way to splashing it. Um, all right. Like I said, blur wing Raider. Um, yeah, this is a card I have yet to really play one. Cause I'm never, I don't pick this early being a two color card. That's also in primal. Um, and so I just never end up, playing these even when I'm in Skycrag because I just it just never works out. But uh, I think it can be powerful. It is definitely a beatable card. It's kind of hard to beat on yeah. turn three, but but it's it's not as good as it looks, but it's pretty good. Yeah, it, it, um, like it's just, you know, if it starts connecting, it, you know, if it connects on turn four and you play a five drop, that's pretty exciting. And if it just turned into a three, three flyer, now, now it's going to be a pain. Yeah. Yes. But the fact that it, yeah, obviously if you pay a, play a fire drop, it's, it's kind of painful. But I have found like, because it's like a variable with how well it races, you know, uh -huh. if your opponent, again, because I haven't played one, so I'm saying opponent, if your opponent plays it and then it's just like not growing it really, then it's just like racing it's not, you know, you can still outrace it. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, and I, I've been out, I've been outraced having them play. I've actually drafted a fair amount of this card. I think I pick it pretty highly, maybe more highly than I should. Um, but you know, it, you, it can do a similar thing to Bladekin Apprentice, only for one more cost, a second color, and it doesn't automatically grow itself. But you know, like if you set all of that aside. If you play it and you remove their first blocker and it actually does start growing, eh, it's pretty good. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. But if we all live, you know, like that's basically just living in eternal Christmas land at that point. So. Um, yes. All right. Number three is Mistral Coordinator, which is the Cambrai uh, three cost two, three. That gives your uh, 
units life steal your flying units life steal when they attack. I think pretty good yeah. card, really hard to race. Uh, you just need to be in a deck with flyers, which is not the hardest thing in the world when um, beekeeper is <laughs> the number one common. But you know. yeah, I mean, just so the thing is, you do not have to have a lot of flying going on for this to be pretty oppressive. Yes. Um, if you play this the turn after you played a beekeeper, you've got a 2-2 lifesteal flyer, and that's just good. And, you know, if you, you know, you make it to 4th Tree Elder, uh, I mean, you already made it to 4th Tree Elder, right? But basically, there are a lot of bees in this format, and this is good with bees. Yes, uh, agreed. Um, yeah, and then the top uncommon, you know, has a flyer in it. It's uh, the top two, <laughs> if you, you know, you play this with a, a skylight, you know, pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I end up playing more of these mostly because um, I'm often in timer justice, and so it's easier to pick one of these up earlier than, for me, a Blur Wing Raider is. And, uh, yeah, interesting. And, yeah, I, I think, for me, these are, like, the clear three best ones. Um, and then it, we start getting into, like, a bit of a weirder category, like... Uh, Next is uh, Recovery, which is the Xenon um, uh, two-cost fast spell where you have to bounce one of your own units and then you can draw a unit from your void. Definitely a powerful... Oh, it's, what? It's like, a, it's like a million for one. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Sometimes. It, yeah, it's definitely a powerful card, but we, we've talked uh, pretty considerably about how fast this format can be. And so... It can just be a little bit too slow, even as a two-cost spell, just because you you know you're taking a blocker off the board, and um, you know so it it it's I find like a high high floor high or low floor high ceiling card where it's just like if you end up getting into a grindy game, it's like incredible, but if you're f playing against a fast fire deck or a fast like a fell nightfall deck then you're you're in trouble yeah i like it in the xenon decks where i have a lot of the ant that gains life mm -hmm. um that's that's where i found it to be most effective or if you've got like a grumbo's platoon or something right if you've got something that really benefits from rebuying it because you know playing playing a bunch of grumbo's platoons and then returning one to your hand and getting one out of your void yeah, that's a lot you, of units. Yeah, that, it's a lot of Grumbo's platoons. <laughs> yeah. All right, then uh, next is Tongue Lasher, which is the Elysian 1-1 one, one for 1 that um, hunts 1 for each of your remaining power. Um, meh. Meh. Yeah, very meh. I'm actually surprised it's so high because um, uh, I, talk, I talked about this with uh, Fiendish where it's just... Even at six, you almost would rather have the primal uh, hunt for. So I just don't see why this is how this is so high. Yeah, I guess maybe Elysian decks just pick what they can get. Yeah. Um, I, I I sometimes wonder if there's like a viable hunt mill deck out there somewhere. Like they didn't really enable it a whole lot, but I have seen this. You know, this I've had this peel seven or eight cards off the top of my deck before. Yeah, no, I've definitely played against, uh, you know, someone playing Elysian Splash 
shadow, so they had some recursion. And then, huh. you know, you, you get tongue lashed three times and you don't have a deck anymore. So it, it definitely exists, but that, it, that is... I am not speculating on a tongue lasher to play that. That's like, no. if that deck no falls into my hands somehow, then maybe I would play it. But it's not something I'm going out of my way to to play. Agreed. Uh, then there's repurposed wares. This is uh, the the uh, Stonescar uh, four cost spell that gives a unit lifesteal overwhelm, and then you get to draw a unit and uh, a unit and a weapon from your void. Incredibly, incredibly powerful card. I've had some sweet decks with this. Um, mm -hmm. I think its main issue is you have to be in the right kind of Stone Scar deck to take advantage of it, and not every Stone Scar deck is a repurposed Wares deck. Yes. I have found often when I have this card, I just haven't managed to pick up enough weapons. And four cost, if something life steal and overwhelm and get one unit and get one card back from your void, is like Okay, it doesn't excite me, um, but if you have like three or four weapons, so you're like fairly sure you're going to get it, including you know even the uh, granted acolyte counts. Um, this this can be a real beating, um, you know. Like honestly, like overwhelming life steal on a lot of units. I think life steal is just very good um, in this format, and so putting life steal on a unit that gets to hit a couple of times plus a card or two yeah really great but stone scar is not particularly great deck and like you said not every stone target deck is a deck that supports this yeah i i think the one interesting place it can have even like even in a deck that's not fully supporting it is because there are cards like uh hurry driver where you know you're like where you're like, wow, playing that on a lifesteal overwhelm unit sounds really great. And um, uh -huh. so then it's like, when when you're doing things like that, you're like, oh, even if I just draw one card off of this, it's not the, that big of a deal. And I've done that before, but I, I agree with your assessment. Um, all right, then uh, next is Mental Image, which is the uh, look at the top four cards of your deck, pick one, and then draw it and a copy of it. Pretty powerful, powerful filtration spell. It is kind of expensive, but getting um, looking for is pretty good, and then getting two copies of the best card, your best card, is pretty good. So I've liked it. It's just I think um, Belm is not that popular of a deck in our seven win list, even though it's. I think a pretty fairly powerful deck and it's got actually one of the few decks that I will hard force when I'm doing poorly. <laughs> uh, I think the film deck is really fun. I, I don't think I, I don't get a lot of seven wins, but I get a lot of five and six wins for just the film nightfall. Um, hold on to your butt. Cause every unit I play is going to have nightfall sort of deck. Um, and I, you know, mental image, mental image is, there are other formats where this just probably would be the best uncommon. Um, like, like the slower formats, even Unleashed. Like, imagine this card in Unleashed. Ugh. Yeah. Like, um, this this format's just really fast. Um, I love this card in Constructed in my market. Um, when you you, know, you get a you get a moment to breathe, you just pull it out. You go find two of your best cards. Um, I have played this in my market. I think. 
as for maybe as much as in my main deck, even in draft. Um, just because I don't always tra- trust myself to have four power. But if I do, yeah, like even, you know, even like a decently good card, you don't have to hit your best card. But, you know, you can hit a mediocre removal spell or just like a, a dude. And you paid one more mana than Consult the Agents or whatever that card, Wisdom of the Agents. Uh, one more power for than you paid for Wisdom of the Ancients and like got two actual pieces of gas. Or, you know, sometimes you want to get to seven power for your one, one of your beetles and this gets you two power. Yeah, exactly. So pretty sweet card. I think it's just, you know, it doesn't really fit in the Fell Nightfall deck per se because that deck wants to be pretty aggressive and doesn't always want to take a turn off to do even draw its best card. Um, yeah. And then other film decks just aren't as powerful. Uh, this, <laughs> these last three, kind of a plot twist, uh, is number seven is Steel Warren Responder, which is the Rakana one, which is the three cost one one with Warcry, and then you can draw a weapon from your top five cards and give it plus one plus one. I'm just gonna never ever play this card. It's just impossible in my <laughs> mind. <laughs> To get enough weapons to consistently hit with it. And if you don't hit, it is so bad. You just... I, it's so bad! I just it's can't... incredible. I just... I don't even know what to say to the six people who played this card. I just... Congratulations, is what you say. Like, you got seven wins. <laughs> it's just... I mean, I had an opponent who played two of these in a row and hit twice with it, one of them being a legendary... The legendary... Uh, Rakana weapon and like yeah they they really did it they did a great job they beat me but like that is so incredibly lucky um I the one time I have played this card and it was good I had three of it and it was just because I had the the lifesteal versatile weapon in my deck and that card is so good that I was willing to to throw cards away to try to dig to it yes no, I can, I can see a situation like that where you're just like, I have such a powerful weapon. Like maybe if you have a longbow or something where you have such a powerful oh, weapon, yeah. you're willing to, you can make your other plays worse because this that'll catch you up. Um, and that lifesteal weapon is a great example of that because even if you're behind, you can then like put it on a flyer and gain enough life to stabilize. But it's just, it just misses way too often. Um, all right, but so I'm kind of surprised it's above, um, and I think this is just a color thing, Ranger Prodigy, mm-hmm. which is the, Agreed. um, the Huru card, it's the 2-2 two, two for 2, and then every time, Empower Hunt 1, uh, there's only three copies of this, and, uh, It's really, yeah, it really surprises me, um, this card's good, right? Like, it's not quite Enlightened Student or whatever the 2-cost Empower plus 1 plus 1 is, but... This card feels powerful to me. It is. I think... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's like everything I said about Blurwing Raider. It's just like, it just doesn't grow as much as you want. It might not... Yeah. You know, it's just the hunt, I think. No, it, it's, it can just be too hit or miss. I just think it, it suffers from the fact that Huru's not a great deck and 
and there's just yeah. other powerful units. So like a slow growing unit doesn't necessarily scale as well as you want. But I I I hundred percent agree it's better than steel worm responder. I will Yeah. Maybe it's just like the hit the spike rate is really high on steel worm responders. That's why you see some here. Yeah. Where Ranger Prodigy is just a just a role player and yeah, is a primal deck, so you know, already. Yeah. You know, starting starting from behind. All right. And then the only color or multicolor top uncommon uh that has yet to appear is Zayat's uh, recruitment, which is the two cost relic. And then every time a unit uh, goes to a non soldier goes to the graveyard on your turn. On on your turn, yeah. yeah. Uh, you get to play a one two Aegis soldier. You know, I have had my opponent play this, and I've been like, "Oh man, how am I going to beat this?" And it's like, "Oh right, I'm just going to attack." Yeah. Yeah, there's just not enough support for the, the go-wide strategy. We, I've talked about no. this before. I just don't think. This is way too slow. It's just doesn't... It seems like it'll do a lot, but it's just, like, too conditional. It, you know, it. I, I think even if it triggered itself, it wouldn't be, like, the greatest unit. Because it's... You only get yeah, one then, per turn anyway. Them, right, but then two of them scale exponentially in a really annoying way. Um, yeah, but I, I I find myself wondering. I'm just just wondering about this right now. Like, would this be better if it triggered on your opponent's turn instead of yours? <laughs> like, does that does that feed what the Argentport wants deck wants to do more by just by keeping it alive and letting it win with its you know gassy flyers? Yeah, may, maybe. I just think I don't know. It's just like. Based on the cards, you know, they, like, make it seem like... Oh, you want to be sacrificing stuff all the time, but no, you don't. Or that you hunt all the time, because, you know, like, that's the only way to get stuff in your opponent's graveyard on your turn. But, like, hunt is just, like, actually not that prevalent in Justice, even though they seem to think. Like, we read a long, long... I'm almost shocked and feel like maybe there's something wrong with my, with my, uh, the, the data here, which I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure it's not. But like, we didn't mention the three cost three, two hunt unit in the justice uncommons. Or the beetle. Yeah. And we, you know, we went pretty far down the list. And so like, and those are like, and and I mentioned the marksman just be or I think it's called marks the huntsman I don't know what it's called, but I, I mentioned that just because that's another thing that is like a hunt theme where it triggers off of other units hunting also, and it's just like mm-hmm. it's just not there in justice. Um, even though they have a couple cards implying it's there, I just feel like there's not enough hunt Agreed. units, um, and so I think that's just part of the. Like, this one is, like, trying to, like you said, trigger off Sacrifice, trigger off Hunt. But, like, even with the Sacrifice, it's problematic because if you're sacrificing units just to get another 1-2, like, that's not really fitting the go-wide theme, which is also, like, another under-supported theme. It's just, like, I feel like this card does a lot of things all poorly and all pointing towards underrepresented themes. And it's just like, instead of pulling it all together, it just kind of shows how under supported each of those different themes are. 
Yeah, I think you're totally right. All right, and that's the end. We've talked about just about <laughs> every uncommon. I think that was hopefully helpful for everyone. That was a lot of fun to do. Uh, so, yeah, I love doing this. This is a blast. Yeah, well, hey, there is one more rarity to go. Uh, well, I guess, you know, two Ooh. technically, but uh, yeah, I'd love to have you back on. We could go through uh, some of the, the rares and how they stack up uh, against. Oh, yeah. You could hear my five minute hate speech about deep freeze. Oh, my God. It's the worst. I, it's so stupid. <laughs> I, I do want to, before we go, um, you know, now that we've kind of gone through all of these, what would you say your like top three What's your top three list of uncommons that we're like excited to open up in first pick? Um, it's like Legacy, Marison's Legacy, Fourth Tree Elder, and like to open is a really interesting question because I think to open it's Dangerous Gambit as the third. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's no. just like, like card that wins the game, card that wins the game, extremely efficient removal spell. Yeah, no, I, I like that list. It's like kind of interesting, you know, because like based on the numbers, it's like it's it, it's kind of like between like, um, well, the Shadow Beetle would be like the the next highest performing card, which is also like a, a really great card. Um, so between Fourth Tree Elder and Legacy, what do you take first pick? Mm. And then we ask the hard questions here. Yeah, you know, knowing what I know, it's probably legacy these days. Um, but like, I don't know, I stare at my screen, I put my head in my hands, I I post in the what's the pick channel. Um, but in the end, I think I probably just end up taking legacy. The, the time time is just too good. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely feel, I can definitely feel that. I mean, I, th I think the... <laughs> The weird argument for fourth tree elder is that i think it's still probably i don't know the more powerful card and it's just like the justice decks are just so much better when they have a fourth tree elder while the time that's true the time decks i can imagine you know not this is a, a little flippant but like a time deck a good time deck can take or leave a marison's legacy it's still winning the game <laughs> uh, you know that's really interesting that like if you're if your metric is what card is going to make my deck more likely to win if I'm playing that color, then definitely it's Fourth Tree Elder because it desperately needs it. And you're right, Marathon's Legacy is great, but what is every other time card? Um, yeah, so I, I don't know how useful, <laughs> um, how much that should influence your decision, but I, I do wonder if, like, you know, it's like if Justice ends up open, being open, you're going to really wish you had the Fourth Tree Elder. And yeah. If time's open, you don't know, wish you had the Marison's Legacy, but you'll get by without it. So I, I don't know. Let's see. Right. Yeah, I like I like that viewpoint a lot. All right, cool. So uh, yeah, that's that's our show there. Uh, as always, uh, thanks everyone for listening. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash farmingeternal, uh, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can help support the show, keep it going. Uh, it's been four years. We're still out here chugging away, not quite as um, regularly as we used to. Um, also, uh, I did. I had said in the Discord that we were doing a couple constructed episodes in a row here, but um, due to uh, uh, some unforeseen circumstances, uh, we're gonna 
be unable to record the constructed episodes for a, a little bit, but uh, that will be back. But that just means there's more draft to listen to. So uh, thank you, everyone, and uh, have a have a great day. Bye.